It's Toby Haydock's Who's Round, uh, the week of Doctor Who's birthday, so let's go right back to the beginning. Well, uh, what a delight for me to meet somebody who, and I don't know if forget to say this, uh, holds a unique place in Doctor Who history, but has had a fantastic career besides that show. So I'm going to ask him to introduce himself and tell me why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Everyone, uh, I'm Jeremy Young, and I suppose, as far as Doctor Who goes, my main claim to fame is I was the first Doctor Who villain. That's not bad, but also I always worry that actors like yourself, I mean, you only have to look at your CV, who've done so much, do you ever think, I wish Doctor would go away and leave me alone? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, uh, sometimes, but I mean, if that's the worst thing that can happen to you in life, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, one's lucky. Um, no, it was, it was um, uh, just another job, of course, uh, when uh, we, we did it. I mean, nobody realised it would actually go on and on and on. And then, obviously, become such a cause celeb uh, now because it's been um, redone, of course, and re rejigged. I mean, it's um, from when it started uh, to now, it's um, totally different. Uh, I feel you know, because of the money that's uh, being spent on it now. I mean, there were very shaky sets when we started, and it was in a, a tiny studio, Lime Grove, it wasn't in the television centre. Um, but it was it was jolly. It was a happy job, which I I, I liked. Um, but as I said, it was just a, uh, another job, uh, and then you move on to another path, another path. Um, in fact, the Doctor Who, which I I came back into it after the the very first adventure, um, mission to the mission unknown, to the unknown I think yeah, it's called, which is lost. Yes, sadly. Very sadly, because, um, um, uh, you know, one gets repeats, except it's never repeated because it's lost. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, I was doing, what was I? Yes, I was doing uh, the Scottish play up in Scotland, uh, and uh, suddenly I had a phone call sort of saying, um, are you free to do a week on um, Doctor Who? And the part I was playing in in the Shakespeare was um, I could um, was MacDuff. He has um, uh, like an he has, act, act. He has act one off, yeah, doesn't he? We're act, um, act, yeah. But anyway, uh, he, oh, he, he has just plays an act three as well, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So um, I thought, yeah, that'll just about fit in. So I belted down from doing that, uh, and, and we did. Uh, got changed into a Varga plant in the end, in, <laughs> and then went back into. Uh, to pick up the rehearsal in uh, in uh, Macca's. Well, you complete my triumvirate, actually, because I've interviewed Edward D'Souza and I've interviewed Barry Jackson. Oh, so, so right the three yeah. the three humans from Mission yeah. to the Unknown. I've done yeah. you all now. When when did it when did it when did it occur to you that actually, or when was it made known to you, perhaps, that it was more than just another job and that it might start coming back to haunt you? Because it didn't happen straight away, did it? No, not at all. Um, it doesn't haunt me. <laughs> it's in, honestly, it's it's um, you're an actor, you know, and you uh, you do any jobs, 
that come up that are okay, uh, some smaller and some bigger, you know, depending. Uh, Theatre or, or film or television. Um, that's um, a jobbing actor's life, you know, uh, the next job. So, I don't know when it's... it's uh, I suppose um, when it came back again, um, although, you know, you got Tom Baker and people like that were playing it, so... It was quite, uh, but I, I never used to sit down and watch it, which you don't really. I mean, uh, you do lots of, because I used to do lots of telly programs at the time, you know, I mean, uh, The Saint and The Avengers and all those. But you, you don't sit down and watch the, the whole whole lot religiously, you know. I mean, Z-Cars I did, when I went into Z-Cars, I became um, a bit of a fan of Z-Cars, because I used to go in and do parts in Z-Cars. But uh, apart from that, no, there were jobs. That was it, you know. Um, and jolly nice and hard work, and you put your heart and soul into them, of course. Um, but uh, in the end, that's my job. Of course. Well, it was my job. <laughs> so it's a, it's a tough job as well, I think, being asked to be a caveman on British television. Oh, God, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean the, um, I don't know, I've told the story before, but um, they were, we shot it... Uh, lots of sand around and rocks and things, you know, all over the place, and that was it, and then we were in our um, skins, our, you know, what you call it, skins, uh, animal skins, and there was one, and the, the, the extras were all around, like the tribe, and uh, there was one rather blonde, very uh, um, attractive girl, um, and they'd sort of dirtied it up and everything, you know, but she was getting more and more um, upset about things. And, and, of course, with the studio lights, the um, sand hoppers suddenly came to light and started to bite us and things, you know. Uh, and she got more and more. And in the end, she said, oh, God, I can't. And she stormed out, you know, and that was it. And apparently she was actually a model, which her agent had sort of said, uh, get down to Ealing Studios. They're actually... Uh, doing something about uh, modelling furs or something. <laughs> well, I suppose it is modelling furs. Well, it is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know. Um, but, uh, what, it was tough. Well, not really tough. I mean, you know, going, going down the mines is tough. Sure. That's a tough job, isn't Sure. It? Uh, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm lucky that um, I've worked... Uh, uh, all my life, anyway, you know, and then switched, of course, um, after doing acting uh, to um, directing, and then finally into teaching. Well, talking of directing, I mean, a, a young, uh, now well-documented, young Indian gay director at the BBC in 1963, Waris Hussain. What do you remember of, of Waris? Waris Hussain, he, uh, well, uh, he took me out to lunch, actually, to sell me the idea of... Um, of going into Doctor Who, um, and you know, and obviously playing, and then he also asked me um, if I knew of anybody who would actually act opposite me because we had this big fight, you know, in the end, uh, and I sort of um, gave him Derek's uh, name, and uh, and that was it. I love know. Derek Newick, great actor with a real natural quality, Daniel really earthy actor. quality. Yeah, he's gone, of course now, mm. but uh, yes, he he went on to be a National Theatre actor. I was pleased to see I got a little notice from Harold Pinter in, in addition to his Guardian obit, uh, yeah. Derek Newitt did. Um, oh, when he did you, got, you know, got the standard Guardian yes. obituary and then Harold oh. Pinter added a little bit, which I thought was nice. Oh. 
I used to live uh, in the, you know the, the flat that, actually, well, the, yeah, the flat that um, the caretaker oh, yes. was set in. I used to live in that flat. Oh, really? It, it was uh, <laughs> done up a bit better, but he used to live underneath Pinto. Right. Uh, in, in, uh, in Chiswick. I see. And, um, you, but you're, you're, were you Aston or Mick, or are you nothing like either? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, no, no, because it was actually just before, but he, uh, uh, I um, took over the flat at the top uh, with a friend of Pinter's, uh, uh, John Rees, an actor. Oh, Welsh actor. Yeah, yeah. Along the shores yeah, of the tour. Lovely, yes, lovely old John. Um, and, uh, and Harold used to live underneath. But it was a true story. I mean, Mick and, uh, and, and Aston. His name was Austin in real life. Uh, but it was Aston in the play. But, you know, it's a true story there. So, um, so gosh, so you knew, you knew Pinter before he was Pinter, really? Uh, well, yes. I mean, and he was David uh, Barrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as a, the actor, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, he was. Uh, but only briefly, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because it all happened before I moved into that particular flat. Because, uh, well, it was funny enough, after I, my first marriage broke up, uh, I, uh, I, I moved in uh, with John, John Rees, you know. Oh, well, John, John Rees did a couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Listeners, he was uh, in the first two episodes of Frontier in Space. Oh, was he? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Opposite John Pertwee. Yeah. He was, he was a nice, nice guy, Johnny. He used to do films in uh, East, um, East Germany. And he was a big star in East Germany. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and he used to sort of get on the plane, you know, to go over there to do it, and nobody would care. And he'd get off the plane at the other end, and of course there'd be crowds waiting. At the, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And, yeah, and then he'd come back again, of course, uh, <laughs> uh, nobody waiting at Heathrow. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's typical actor's life, isn't it? You're fated one minute and ignored the next. Oh, yeah. Well, what about your, your lead, William Hartnell? What do you remember of, of yeah, him? Because he was a he was good, star, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a good guy. I mean, he, uh, he quite rightly had the, um, the whole, uh, what was his name? Um, not wealth, but the whole um, responsibility is the word I'm looking for. Responsibility of, 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 the, of the new series on his shoulders. And uh, treated it accordingly. You know, he was quite, quite serious on uh, actor, but he was a nice guy. And strangely enough, I mean, um, although not at the time, but now, um, his granddaughter is my agent. Just, oh, but it just worked out. Yeah, isn't that Doctor Jessica, Who gets it? Jessica Carney, yeah, Jessica yeah. Carney. Yeah. Did you, well? Did you watch the the recreation of? The, yes, I did. Uh, very what, good. And you thought it was. Yes, uh, 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 David Bradley. Yeah. It? yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. I thought, yes, yeah. I mean, yes, okay. He was crotchety and things like that. It, and later on, he did tend to forget some lines and things, you know. But uh, but no, it's jolly. And um, Bill Russell was nice. He's still still with us. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he played the uh, the teacher. Um, and it's quite a bevy of. I mean, the, the whole cast. I mean, there's only five of you in the guest cast, but Alethea Charlton yeah. was a very regular character face, wasn't she? Yeah, I, uh, I worked with her, first of all, down in, um, um, where was it, Exmouth, which there was a theatre company down there. Uh, and uh, we used to tour around uh, Devon. And, and she was, uh, we did plays, and she was in the company, I remember, Alethea. And she's gone now. Well, she died in 1976. I know, uh, yeah, very, very young. Terrible. And then, of course, Jackie. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, 
And Howard, yes. Howard Lang, you must have crossed swords with again on the Indian yeah, line, I uh, guess. Uh, yes, because I work with him in other tellies, you know. Yeah. Oh, the Indian line, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did two or three of those. Um, well, it's, it's funny that you talk about saying you were you were taken to lunch by the director to be offered Doctor Who. Those oh, that's the, right, yeah. Those were the days. And, of course, you do get... You are billed in the Radio Times, you know. It's with, with Jeremy Young and Derek Newark. You are the guest stars. So, how would you... Where... where where, had, where was this in your career? How had you um, got to this point in your career? What had, what had got you on the path to acting? Well, I started off um, as a little Liverpool lad. And um, I hated swimming. <laughs> uh, I was really frightened of the water. Um, didn't learn to swim until I was about 21. And um, I found out that uh, the young pupils who actually didn't go uh, swimming um, for whatever reason they got a note from their mum they had got a cold or whatever whatever. Um, they stayed behind they did plays and I was a good reader I was lucky I was a good reader when I was a kid when I was four years old I was a very good reader my mum taught me to read before I went to school and um, so I decided right so I asked my mum and she gave me a note and uh, that was that. So I used to be in the plays. Yeah, it was junior plays. And then I moved on, obviously, what we call won the scholarship, uh, the 11-plus thing, uh, uh, to the Liverpool Institute, you see. Uh, which, is, incidentally, is where um, Paul McCartney and uh, George Harrison went. They went there. Um, I did a, the film with them uh, a few years later. We chatted about that. Um, and when I got there, um, I, 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 the master who sort of ran the school play wouldn't let me be in the play. And I thought, yeah, he said, no, no, you can't be in the play because you're, uh, you don't talk right. I said, what do you mean, sir, I don't talk right? <laughs> you see, like that. And he said, well, you don't talk properly. I, I said, well, I, I didn't know that. And so I thought, right, okay. And in those days, of course, people used to, have, especially in films, you see, them, used to have talk like that. And so I, I used to, um, and it was a, a school which had been a private school, the institute, uh, and then it led uh, like myself in. And um, so there was a few posh kids still there. So I used to pay them, um, what we called a halfpenny, uh, of my pocket money uh, every time they said no, you're, you're saying things wrongly. You know, pr pronouncing things sure. in their liberal accent, uh, and I think right, I, I worked and worked on it, and that's, uh, and then um, obviously decided as I couldn't play football for Liverpool because I wasn't good enough, um, I decided to be an actor, and that was it because I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I just came to life, uh, and you know, woman's home life wasn't particularly marvelous, so it was a good escape. From uh, uh, from my dad, who was wasn't a very nice chap. Uh, so I suppose that's what happened. And then I um, I was in the army. I had to go into the army, you know, because everybody did at eighteen. You had to do national national service. I came out of the army, and you you grew up quite quickly, and. I'd met a guy, actually, who was um, a cub reporter in, in, uh, on the paper in um, uh, Peterborough. 
And he got over about six months before I did. And he sort of uh, wrote to me and he sort of said, uh, listen, there's a, a repertory company here where I am, you know, and I do the write-ups for the local paper. I said, he said, so when you get out, uh, why, why don't you come and, you know, we'll meet up again and we, you can get in the local theatre. I, I thought, oh, all right. So that's what happened. And I, I went there and the people who ran the uh, theatre sort of said, well, what experience... Well, I haven't actually had, uh, you know, a, a professional. Oh, if you're not a professional, I mean, please, you know. This is twice nightly, weekly rep. This is Harry Hansen. Uh, and uh, so I thought, oh, so no, they, uh, they said, come back when you've you know, got more experience. Um, and then I was, what, um, I suppose they call it dating these days, uh, what the young... Um, juvenile girl uh, from the company and uh, while well, I was up there and uh, she said uh, oh well if you want to be an actor they have a thing called the stage a newspaper uh, they, they advertise jobs in there so I said oh do they <laughs> right and so I got the stage and saw an advert that week it was luck you see it's all luck and they, you know, uh, they want what they just call uh, ASM, Assistant Stage Manager Plus, um, playing juvenile leads. Um, and so I wrote after it, and they said, send your late, latest picture. And I thought, well, the latest picture I've got is this um, passports now. So I sent that. <laughs> and, I, and they sent back and said, yes, OK. Uh, you know, uh, I know, ridiculous. Um, and so uh, I joined this weekly rep, you know, play every week, different play every week. Uh, and that's how it started, really. And then moved from there to, um, we opened our own company down at Lyme Regis, um, uh, friends and myself. Uh, and then um, from there down to the West of England Theatre Company, which was uh, three weekly, and you were aiming to sort of get finally to the West End. Um, or at least to Birmingham, which was uh, three or four weekly rep, you know, uh, which I did do, and finally did get into the West End in, as a lead in, in, in the play at the Queen's. So, that, you know, but it, it's all, it's a lot of luck uh, attached to it, being in the right place at the right time. And then it happened with television. Um, I thought, right, I, I'd uh, done enough theatre, wanted to get into telly. And um, this was right at the beginning of the 60s. And uh, I'd uh, been seen uh, by this casting director for ATV uh, over about three years. He'd sort of pick, he used to travel in those days. They used to actually go out and <laughs> do their job properly. Instead of See actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he uh, happened to notice I, I happened to have a good part that week, whichever company I was with and he noted me down and then when this thing called Deadline Midnight which is about newspaper men uh, uh, came up um, I had that just that extra you know because obviously um, more than just myself went up for the, for the part but then that was how I got into telly just again luck in a way yeah but you have to be you can't have you can't sustain a career playing as many parts as you did without being good as well so well, oh you have to you have to do that yeah yeah uh, you have to sort of uh, then hold down the job for a start uh, and then yeah as you say I mean 
Acting, yeah. yeah. Well, you do. Of course, you, Three Musketeers was, uh, which, oh, which a lot yeah. of people say is one of they think one of the the, the best tele productions. It's it's gold yeah. for Doctor Who fans because it's you, Brian Blessed, Gary Watson, yeah. uh, and uh, and Jeremy Brett. Jeremy Brett has lovely, done lovely Jeremy Brett. Yeah. Yes, we had a great time on that. That's uh, uh, yeah, I loved uh, doing that. Um, uh, we uh, it was uh, Brian, of course. Yes, I mean, he's never changed. <laughs> He's all right, no, no, bloody Brian, you know. He'd be noisy, Brian, he was then, you think. But, you know, six o'clock in the morning, you'd be sort of coming in to get your makeup and all, you know, the wigs and everything. Called. And he'd be, oh, and he'd say, oh, Brian, for God's sake, shut up, you know. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, you know. <laughs> Is he ever off? No, he, <laughs> he used to tell stories. And we were doing, uh, yeah, we were doing The Musketeers, and he'd been in Z Cars and things. Um, and uh, mind you, I, I just thought of something else. <laughs> the first day of filming Mus- uh, Musketeers, and we would have, we got a break, and we were outside in the road uh, around Chiswick House, where we shot the very first bit. And um, we were there all done up in our, you know, the beard and the wigs, and he was uh, obviously playing Portos. And we were by the, 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 the tea wagon, having a drink of tea. And uh, somebody came up to him and sort of said, Hi then. And he said, Yeah. Hello, Fancy. He said, What? Yeah, well, you're Fancy Smith. Because that was the character also that he played does, in, yeah. in, in Z Cars. <laughs> and he sort of said, Yeah, well, um, what do you think of doing now then, Fancy? What are you doing? What are you up to then? He said, Well, I thought of being a musketeer, actually. <laughs> you know. No, 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 you're typecast, you couldn't do that. <laughs> that, that was exactly where they were lying. <laughs> anyway, we were actually in rehearsal for it, uh, you know, um, and uh, down in Fulham, uh, some boys' club we used to rehearse, and uh, he was late, and he said, oh, God, come on, Brian, you know. Uh, and suddenly he appeared, uh, you know, about two hours, three hours late, for rehearsal. And he sort of said, uh, we said, are you okay? He said, yeah, yeah, just got to sit down like that. I said, yeah. I said, what's the matter? He said, uh, well, I've just had a terrible time. He said, you know, I uh, went to this um, convention for a Ford cars, because in Z cars, you see them a Ford car, you see, um, to advertise, obviously, Ford cars to the guys who were playing the main coppers. And um, so I went down there, and of course, met the chairman down there, and he looked at my old Ford that they'd give, they'd give me, and he said, "Good Lord, you're not sort of still driving there. Here, um, have mine, the latest one." Oh, he said, "Oh," he said, "Yeah, that's the I've got it out outside." Now he said, "But on the way, he said, I wasn't quite used to it driving." And he said, "And um, we came to this roundabout, and suddenly this van came from the other side, and all these Ollies uh, marbles were on the road, and I put the anchors on, and I just slid over these marbles and into this minivan." And the, the van doors broke open, and all these lunatics got out and spread over the countryside. He said, what? He said, yeah. So I had to go and get them all in, didn't I? And I thought, oh, Brian. Anyway, two, about a week later, the uh, PA, somebody from Ford, uh, came and sort of said, is Brian Bressett around here? Um, 
well, he's supposed to be buying this car. Does he want to, you know, this car that he's want to buy from us or not? So the, the chairman hasn't sort of... Uh, <laughs> but we said to him once, said, Brian, why do you tell these stories? You know, well, life's not very exciting, is it? You know, just want to sort of... <laughs> <laughs> just entertain. Yeah, there's an element of truth, but he sort of, you know, um, yeah, polishes it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, Brian. Embroidery. Yeah. Um... And you did you did a few Avengers and you, you did my favorite. I love your um, your your very um, exciting villain in an episode of Adam Adamant Lives, oh, where you have a sword fight with yeah, Gerald Harper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upset about that, the best. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was Verity Lambert again, of course. Produced it was, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, the Avengers was uh, great. I enjoyed uh, doing that. I did. I mean, you did three, yeah, three or four. Yeah, you did three Avengers and you did a new Avengers. That's right, Which yeah. is called Nors. That's, that's, oh, Nors, <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Down the Sewers. That was with um, Joe Lumley. Because um, um, I was playing some Russian yeah. spy or something. And we had this fight. Uh, and so it took about a couple of days to shoot the actual fight. And they, we used to come in in the morning and throw a bucket of water over us for continuity. And then I'd sort of, you know grapple with Joe Lumley, so not a bad job. No, no. And a t- two of your original adventures were directed by James Hill, who... Uh, so, yes, yeah, yes, so, yes, so, yes, of course, yes. So you had, you, you, did you have any directors that you particularly in, enjoyed working with for television? Yes. Uh, Peter Hammond, who actually did the first lot of um, Musketeer. uh, Musketeers. Yeah. He, was, he was great. Was that because... I've spoken to a lot of people over the years, and, and a lot of people say that he was a good director... Was that because he'd been an actor, is that he understood actors? Possibly, yes, yes. Um, it does help, because, I mean, I, obviously I direct now, and it, um, I mean, it does help, because you, um, you, you um, can... <sighs> you can understand uh, the insecurities of somebody, you know, who's, uh, of an actor, and, or, or uh, how to get the best out of them, anyway, I think. So, yeah, it does help. Um, yeah, he wasn't the best actor in the world, Peter. I <laughs> <laughs> used to remind him of. Um, but he was a bloody good director. I suppose Alex Ferguson wasn't the best footballer in the world. But... No, no, yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, Peter was in the Huggard films, wasn't he? Yeah. Here comes the Huggards and all that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, he was a very, very good director. Uh, didn't suffer fools gladly, but. Uh, He's, uh, and then the change. He only did the first. Um, we came back and did um, further adventures of the Musketeers. You know, twenty years after, but he didn't direct that. Um, but that was yeah, that was jolly good. Um, Hitchcock, I did a tiny bit in Frenzy, mm. uh, but never spoke to me. I mean, he was he was a <laughs> actually. <laughs> he sort of, uh, but. Funny enough, because, you know, um, film um, sets are quite noisy with the carpenters and things while they're getting ready and the lighting. And, but suddenly when you heard sort of, he's uh, on his way, there was like a cathedral hush in the set. And then he, about ten minutes later he'd sort of enter, you know. But he was all sort of, uh, tell that actor to do this, tell that actor to do that. You know, he didn't, didn't really communicate. 
Well, he wasn't very keen on actors, actually, I don't think. I think it was him that says they were cattle, wasn't it? Yeah, Scott, that's right, something like cattle. that, yes. Yeah, Seems yeah. an odd profession to go into if you don't like actors. <laughs> well, yes, directing. yeah, well, no, no. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> takes all sorts. So, I mean, what, what, somebody, it's, it's easy for me to sort of t- t- ask you about um, uh, jobs, but it not, might be better for, for, for me to say to you, you know, what are the, what are the say, in, particularly in television, the jobs that you particularly enjoyed? Well, um, Musketeers, um, an Eden line I enjoy, going on the Charlotte Rose, that was great. Um, but we were going out uh, from with, um, Dar- Dartmouth Harbour, and we shot it down there. And we were, pushing the, we were going out in the, in the fog in the morning on, on, the, on the boat, because we were going to shoot out in the bay. And... Um, Suddenly, out of the fog, because we're going ding, 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 you know, uh, out of the fog came this woman rowing, rowing, sort of, ahoy, ahoy, okay, um, can I have autographs, please? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you were very nice, you had quite a stint in EastEnders being very nice to Den, Den in prison, didn't you? Oh, I taught him, you see, old uh, Leslie. That's how that came about. Oh, tripods, yeah, that was oh, of course. Oh, well, with yeah. Charlotte Long, of course, who yeah. suddenly died before, oh, before it was broadcast. Oh, oh, it was very sad, yes. Yeah, he died in a road accident on uh, the M4. Oh, terrible, terrible. And EastEnders, yeah, oh, that's right, old Les. He, he was, um, he was in real life, he was inside, of course. Mm. And a friend of mine used to take plays into prison. And she noticed this young guy. Um, it was a bit unkempt and things, you know, but he was in uh, for, for life, you see. And um, he said, "Look, you know, well, I'll never get out, things, because you know that guy over there, he's raped somebody and everything." But you know, he said, "Yeah, I deserve to be here because of a, it was quite. A, it was an accident, actually." The, thing that happened with um, the German taxi driver, but there we are, it's another story. He said, so, you know, I've always, he's always held his hand up and said, yeah, unfortunately, but they put him away for life. But uh, anyway, um, this is about 12 years later, he was 12, he'd been in for 12 years, and she, we tried to get him out. We thought, well, and she came to me and sort of said, well, you know, you're, I know you direct and teach in drama colleges and things. Uh, I said, yeah, I'm at the Webber Douglas Drama College at the moment. And she said, uh, would you like to meet him? And yeah, so we, we got him out on special license uh, for the afternoon. And I met him and chatted to him. And I thought, yeah, he's got something. Um, and to cut a long story short, um, we managed to uh, get permission for him to be on parole, um, extended parole. And um, I prepared him for the auditions for Webber Douglas. And that was finally getting actually yeah, got in. And I taught him while he was there. But, and this is luck, you see, the person who taught the television there was um, uh, the person who actually founded um, it's Julia, Julie Smith. Julie Smith, yeah. Uh, and she happened to teach television there. That happened to be the drama school that I was at, so that's why he went there. And uh, and so and then she remembered him, of course, a few years later, uh, when she was casting um, 
and that's uh, so that was luck, you see. And then, of course, he held down the job, and um, it was the uh, they weren't supposed to be the um, stars of the piece um, because they'd had the the bar in Coronation Street as the you know the rovers, um, but. Um, the public just suddenly took off, it, it, the, the two of them, you know. And, and we went back into Dartmoor a few years later, uh, and they asked me to, uh, if I take a part in that as the chief warder, have these scenes with Les, uh, because um, it would help him going back in. Of course. And they had to get special license for yeah. him, of course, to go back in. And some, some of the warders knew him, of course. And... Um, we were there once, and we were uh, in the, in one of the cells in Dartmoor, um, waiting for the lighting people and the sound people to get their act together. And uh, I said, "It's odd, isn't it?" Yeah, I said, "You were not actually in Dartmoor, but you were in prison, in a cell like this, lying on your bed, you know, for life. And uh, and now you're here, and you're starring in, in EastEnders, you know, in." In, you know, lying on the bed, yeah. But um, oh yes, he uh, he was surrounded all the time by uh, whenever he went out, you know, into uh, in, in, into the into the town and things, you know. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like the Pied Piper, people used to really sort of gather around him, and you know, it was incredible. He was a, he's a nice guy. Yeah, well, I think one of his first jobs when he came out was Doctor Who, funny enough. It all leads back yes, to Yes, of course, that's right. No, he's, yeah, he's a lovely guy, actually. Look, yeah. I know your, your time is short. You've got to it's, be somewhere. OK, I've got rehearsal, actually, this um, afternoon. Yeah. So, I, I, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but this, um, I, I'm fascinated by this idea of... Because acting can be seen as a largely narcissistic pursuit, uh, or as I, I certainly fear sometimes that... Well, especially doing stand-up as well. I'm just asking people to look yeah, at me. Yeah, yeah. And yet you've diverted your energies into directing other actors and teaching and passing on. Yeah. So did that come from a practicality of going, well, I need to do something else? Or have you felt the need to give something back to the profession? No, did you I enjoy th- the process of nurturing I, talent? I got, I got to a stage in my acting career when I'm, um, you know, I'd played uh, in, in theatre in the leading parts. Uh, you know, the Scottish gentlemen, uh, Mackers and all those. And, uh, and I got fed up with my own tricks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I used to love, I used to, uh, love uh, doing... I used to love farce, in fact, uh, playing uh, in, in comedy. Um, and then uh, the lunchtime theatre uh, suddenly started to take off. And suddenly, I, I was at uh, I was I was at the Queen's. I was doing conduct unbecoming, and uh, a friend of mine who was actually um, had a company, a small company, and they were putting um, plays on in uh, Greek Street in the lunchtime. He asked me if I wanted to, to direct, uh, and um, I had directed um, in rep as a young uh, young actor a few times, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm a Leo, so I enjoy bossing people. <laughs> and, uh, and and so it went on from there, you know. Uh, and then the King's Head, uh, right at the start of the King's Head, that opened, and we got Dorian Mantle was in uh, a casting uh, play uh, by William Trevor, uh, a trio of plays. And 
Tynan, who was a, a leading crit uh, critic at the time, and Hobson gave us marvellous notices, you know. And uh, that really started to put the king's head on the map. And, and so it, it just, uh, again, it, one thing leads to another, you know. And um, I so I ran my acting career down because I enjoyed directing more. And then I got work from abroad. Um, I seemed to have a, a knack of being able to direct in foreign languages, uh, except that I didn't speak the language. But you have um, have a translation and also a, a translator, um, an interpreter with you. Um, so I worked in Holland, and they speak pretty good English in Holland anyway. Uh, and uh, they asked me to go out and do um, Hamlet, uh, direct Hamlet, in Kosovo. Um, it was before... Uh, um, there'd been trouble out there uh, uh, in Pristina. And um, I, I was out there for ages, actually, trying to get the damn show on. Uh, because uh, they just, I said, oh, I said, when do you intend to, you know, because I had a couple of productions waiting for me to direct back in in Amsterdam. And they said, oh, why don't you stay out here? I said, I came here over Christmas for about six weeks to put Hamlet on, you know, <laughs> with a cast of 40. It was for the Albanian National Theatre in, in, uh, in, um, Yugoslavia, which, which of course Kosovo was uh, of course. Uh, in Yugoslavia, and so I, uh, I, they said, well, you can stay, have the summer here, and we open it, you know, in, in September, you know, anyway. But suddenly the tension in the town started to rise because it was the anniversary of when there'd been an uprising um, the last year, and uh, overnight the low-flying jets suddenly just swoop down um, and suddenly soldiers appeared with guns at the ready on the streets. I remember when I was actually uh, on the phone sort of saying to Amsterdam, uh, you know, there's a bit of a problem here, but, you know, I'll uh, get there as soon as I can if you can sort of wait for... And suddenly the, the phone would go dead, of course. My goodness. Uh, I had a, a spy. I know it sounds... <laughs> James Bondish, but there was definitely a guy, because they obviously thought, what's a British director doing out here, you know? Um, but anyway, I, 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 he, he was, I could see him following me around, and if I was having something to eat, and he'd be, uh, you know, at a little table. I invited them over in the end, you know? Oh. Um, the little hotel I was staying at, uh, the, uh, I got back and... Uh, apart from the cockroaches. Uh, there was a guy rifling through my luggage and things, you know, and I sort of collared him and took him downstairs to the reception, and I said, oh, yes, we know he's mad. He, he's looking for girls. I <laughs> said, well, okay, well... <laughs> I'm going in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, it was, it, was quite, uh, it was quite dangerous, actually, uh, oh. out there, you know, actually. Uh, I, I got out as soon as I could. It took me about, it was about April by that time. Suddenly, I managed to get the damn uh, play on. 
but um, oh yeah, yeah, it was uh, interesting anyway. Well, and what a fa- and, and you're still you're still doing. We're in the courtyard. Well, then uh, suddenly uh, they got uh, yes, the uh, drama college got in touch. Uh, it was the drama studio, and they asked me if because uh, they knew I directed plays, uh, if I'd actually go in there. I said okay. And so I, I worked there for uh, two or three years, about four years, and then moved to Alra and the Weber Douglas, I, I, uh, and finally um, here, which is the uh, Courtyard Theatre, which I, I enjoy actually. And it suits me, because obviously I'm older, much older now, and it suits me. And have any of your charges coming through? Did you earmark for success who've gone on to...? Yes, oh yeah, yeah. You see them uh, on the box and you think, ah, oh, good, you know, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite a few not, of course. Um, but yes, it's very satisfying. Um, and you feel you're guiding them in the right direction, you know. Um, and if the right part comes along, you're still still up for an acting job? No, I don't, I don't do acting, no. Um, I do, which I, funny enough, I did yesterday, uh, I do voice uh, work for the Beeb. Um we're doing a BBC Four thing. Um, I did I did a show for ten years, and it's just uh, finished about a year ago, uh, which we, um, it was about people writing in, four questions, questions, people writing in, uh, you know, uh, asking, well, I don't know whether the swallows go in the, and then, the guy who was presenting was a Liverpool poet. And he would, and I used to do the readings and things, you know. Or we did the, say, the, the, when the Titanic thing came up, then I'd do those readings, or Grimm's fairy tales, you know. So, <coughs> um, so really, I suppose uh, it came full circle that when I was 10 years old and somebody telling me I didn't speak properly. Yeah. But I, I earn my living uh, by speaking quite well these days. Well, that brings it... That, does Liverpool ever leave you? I mean, I, I, Liverpool's a very curious place if you're an artist, I find, and as a comedian, yeah. worst place to play if you're not from Liverpool. So does it, does it still course through your veins, do you think, Liverpool? Lots of comics in Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, yes, ex- exactly, yeah, and the good ones. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I don't suppose so. The older you get, you realise, you know, that uh, there's... I mean, I, I used it as well, because there's a forthrightness about Liverpool people. Yeah. But, you know, there's sort of... It's a hard accent at times, you know. And uh, I, so I, I've used it on stage. Uh, before it became popular, funny enough, in Long Short and the Tour, there was a, a top part in that, and I thought, hang on, I'll do me Liverpool. Uh, this was years ago. And my brother, lovely brother, uh, came to see it. And uh, and he said, uh, yeah, it was all right, that. He said, yeah, not bad. He said, the only trouble is there was the accent. He said, because uh, we've been down south so long, we don't talk like that anymore. <laughs> I said, uh, no, well, no, that's, that's, that's quite right, yes. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Dear old Bill. Well, look, a fantastic career of which Doctor Who is only a small part, but we oh, convened right. here for that. But the fans listening... Um, know that you've given your time for free and they know that they haven't paid for this so they also know that you're going to nominate a charity for us, Jeremy. Uh, well, that would be ActionAid, uh, if that's okay. 
And uh, the final question is, uh, yeah, nominally we convened about Doctor Who. It was 50 years old when this podcast was dreamt up. So what's your message to the Doctor Who fans celebrating its 50 years and, and ever-ongoing success? <laughs> You're all mad, but uh, if you enjoy it, it's, it's innocent enjoyment, you know? So it, it, it's great. Um, keep watching it. Keep, uh, and it keeps actors in work, doesn't it? So there we go. So, yeah. Uh, keep taking the tablets, you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, um, you may have been the first, but there's absolutely nothing villainous about you. It's been a great pleasure. Oh, thank you for your time, really appreciate it. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. My thanks to Jeremy, who's a gentleman, and his charity is Action Aid. Action Aid, which is uh, a charity that does important work uh, in over 45 countries, working with the poorest women and girls in the world, trying to change their lives for the better. ActionAid.org.uk. ActionAid, all one word, .org.uk. There'll be another one of these, celebrating Doctor Who's birthday week again, but uh, perhaps at the other end of the time scale next time. But until then, stay safe, be good, ta-ta. Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips The Hesitation Deviation Merry Christmas! She called as the little door chimed. The Doctor fell on her stock with delight. She jerked her finger towards the Doctor. Is that one yours? Yes, I nodded. Oh, bless, she smiled. Uncles are like children, always off buying the things they never got as a kid. She called out to him loudly. I've got some lovely jigsaws in the back, dear. The Doctor turned and smiled at her. I have a particular fondness, he confided, for missing bits of sky. Uh, she said, well, uh, we don't really do that kind of thing. Not, uh, on its own, you see. Oh, the doctor frowned at her. Are you sure? Oh, you're welcome to check such as it is, she said, frowning right back at him. The doctor waddled away and the shopkeeper smiled again. He can't do much harm in there. Not really, she said. Although, if I catch him opening the boxes, I will have to charge you, if you know what I mean. The doctor gave a distant cry and came running out. I'll take this one, he said, shaking a box at her. Look, he rattled the box. Dogs playing poker. How much? Er, uh, said the shopkeeper, blinking. But doctor, I began that picture is indoors. There's no sky. Perfect, the doctor laughed. <laughs> As I said, I have a fondness for a missing sky. Um, was all the shopkeeper could say, and I couldn't blame her. Big finish. We love stories.